Hey everybody, it's me, Corval here. We have a very special episode of Block Bites Daily today. We got Nick Dracon and Austin on the show, and we're going to be talking about some of the stuff we talked about earlier this week, but we're going to get a little bit more detail. We're going to be talking about Arkham. We're going to be talking about Multichain. We're also going to cover a little bit of that CPI and PCE data that was released. We love those acronyms. It's going to be great. Mikey, not Mikey, Emmett's here. Emmett's, let's start the show. <laughs> Yo, but where is Mikey? Do we know? Dude, who knows? Who knows? Mikey's a mysterious <laughs> fella, dude. I'll say that. <laughs> he gets around. Oh, what's up, guys? Yeah. Nick? How you doing? So glad to see you, buddy. I feel like it's been far, far too long since we've hung out. Yeah, man. In a minute. Thanks for having me. Dude, it's yeah. always a pleasure, Nick. Always love to hear your perspective on things. Anything this week been going on, you guys? You know, big time. I mean, lots of stuff's been happening. It feels like two things have happened, but that's about it. Anything cool happen? I, I don't know. I just got back from the beach. Uh, I'm that's feeling cool. a little bit more tanned uh, than I was. I was getting like, I was so white. I was like transparent, man. If you turn the light on, I disappear. You know, it was getting, it was getting there. So like, I was glad oh, to yeah. be at the beach. You know, we took, we took our um, crypto bean. He's doing so much better. Thank you for asking. He was, uh, he had a little, he had some illness going on week and a half ago or so but he's doing much 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 better but dude for the first time we took our my little three-year-old girl who is like if you ever met her she's just like i don't know she's just a light of the world dude she's freaking amazing and we took her to the beach and like she fell in love and she started telling me at the end she's like daddy i don't like our house anymore i want to move <laughs> to the beach i don't want to live here anymore and i'm like i don't blame you dude let's move to the fucking beach it sounds like a nice. great idea <laughs> why wouldn't we do such a thing what a great so, excuse to buy a house at the beach yeah <laughs> i know i know we're gonna we're gonna probably get a condo down there at some point so that's awesome but glad to be back man i missed you guys and uh that's yeah, great to have you man the, the arkham stuff has just been such a lovely rabbit hole to dive down and i and i don't have you know i don't know are we starting on that what are we starting on Corval? yeah i kind of want to start off with the numbers but if we're already talking about arkham let's go into it dude we can get into the boring ass numbers a little bit later <laughs> can we start with the video yeah man I put it up should. dude let's, I'm sure, let me, have you guys seen this let's the, uh, start with the goddamn arkham founder a 21-year-old cryptocurrency genius from none other than New York City. After moving to London last week, he asked me and Ema to help style him. An hour of personal shopping later, he finally arrived. It's only a you minute and a half. Just sometimes, I actually. Give you. I got my boy Miguel here. New York City is a crypto fucking god. For a second, right? <laughs> I don't think I would ever buy this by myself, but that's why you get the fashion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. This is when you would wear this. You meant just giving the, the teaching, nah, the teachings know. right here. Sure. Okay. Intense. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a big casual. <laughs> this song okay. is so funny, dude. Are we looking? Are we looking? Are we looking? We get okay. We like, I like it. I think it's cool. When down, you get a feel again. 
It's like it's like the toughest decision ever. No. Okay, now okay. I like so was this okay. released from He's get <laughs> Okay. That's Look at this. Alright, so this is the guy that's public enemy number one right now. <laughs> like this is him. His little puppy. <laughs> <laughs> My God. So I was like, I was watching this with uh with Corval beforehand, and I was like, yo, this guy, he's like a pudgy penguin. Like he's not he's not anything to be afraid of necessarily. But but you had an interesting observation, which is that this was put out as a PR thing, and part of his image that he wants to portray is a allowing himself to be called a crypto fucking god publicly <laughs> and b a guy that spends uh 2500 pounds on a pair of sunglasses and i was like well yeah that's a little weird was that just on know. the sunglasses 2500 because i was about to say chump change if that was the whole outfit i know dracon's dropping that on one on one floral one floral shirt <laughs> my, my, my floral shirts cost you know i would be surprised i'd be astounded if any of my shirts cost more than $50. <laughs> the over-under is probably Same. 30. I'm just saying Same. 50 because I don't want to lose the bet. <clears throat> all right, all right. I'm, I'm like, I'm thinking about it and I'm thinking now, like Dracon's got a great trading mind. That's uh, my max ROI on a shirt is 50 bucks now. <laughs> Never going over 50. You don't, you don't need, so the you big don't controversy need. with these Arkham guys is mm -hmm. that they, and, and I know you guys talked about this on another show, but I think it bears repeating because they're getting absolutely flamed throughout crypto Twitter, is that they came out with, they have a really cool platform from what I understand. I haven't used it, but um, like an intelligence deep dive and addresses and shit platform. But they came out with this docs to earn, basically, which is that people can put up bounties mm -hmm. to have addresses, you know, publicly doxed is, is what it sounds like to me, which is probably a really lucrative business. Mm -hmm. And like, I understand why everyone is shitting on these guys. Um, you know, I'm sure the video didn't help at all. <laughs> but my, my take is this has always been going on on a private level. Mm -hmm. And these guys are just, they're just taking it public. You know, yeah. they're just, they're adding retail in. So, so part of the reason I put this on the show topics today is because I was listening to your podcast yesterday, Nick, where you were talking to Suvlaki about this and, uh, you were talking about how, like, you know, there already exists some data collection firms out there, uh, for like crypto advertising data, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've talked to a couple of them. Um, one, one in the context of being an investor, and the other in the context of being a customer for, mm -hmm. for Ravello. Um, and what they can already do, um, it's a black box. They wouldn't explain to me exactly how they did it. Apparently that's a proprietary. But basically what they can do is you can give them a bunch of criteria. You could say, I want wallets that have more than $100,000 in value. Mm -hmm. um, they transact on these two chains. Uh, they transact at least once a week. You can give it a set of, you know, um, yeah. parameters. And then they can take that data, obviously match it to wallets. That's easy, right? Mm -hmm. You can probably do it on your own um, with a few scripts. But then they can, once they have that group, they can link it to Twitter, Twitter accounts, mm -hmm. direct Twitter accounts. 
And once you have, let's say, a thousand Twitter accounts that fit that profile, the same way that you could build lookalike audiences in, you know, on Facebook when you're doing right. Facebook and Instagram marketing, you know, regardless of which business you're in, that's how it worked, is that's enough data points where you can tell the Twitter algorithm that here's a thousand Twitter accounts. I want you to find me a hundred thousand that 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 possess the same kind of characteristics or the same kind of audience profile as these, and you can run ads against it, right? Yeah. So this was pitched to me as a business. Um, now, um, imagine what you could do on top of that if then you laid, you, you overlaid an email address, you overlaid a LinkedIn account, you overlaid other data points. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's the business that they're building. Yeah, baby. I don't, I don't think... Um, you know, I made the point the other day, like if you look at their investors, they've raised 12 million Austin, 12 million is, is it, it's not light. Okay. Pre-product, right. Mm -hmm. they, they haven't launched a product yet. Um, so even for crypto, 12 million pre-product from, from serious investors is, is, is a decent chunk. Mm -hmm. Peter Thiel, um, who understands the ad business better than most humans alive, first money into Facebook. And he also doesn't, you know, um, kind of invest in things that he doesn't think can be huge businesses. Mm -hmm. So in that context, and also Sam Altman's on, on the cap table and, and Tim Draper and, and, you know, like it's, it's hard to kind of get into these people's minds. But if you think about the business that would excite those three people, mm -hmm. um, it isn't this kind of marketplace where they're clipping the bounties for seven and a half percent. You're not going to generate billions of dollars of, of gross revenue in the marketplace that you're mm -hmm. then going to take. It's not an interesting business, especially not to raise money at $150 million pre-product yeah. valuation. So they're going to do something else with the data. Um, I've tried to connect the dots. I don't have any non-public information. I, I, I tried to listen to the space that he did yesterday with Mario. That's a red flag, right? Read the rules, <laughs> you fucking idiot. Um, mm -hmm. Anyone serious in crypto kind of looks at Mario and goes, this guy, you shouldn't go within 10 feet of him. He gets into hot water and within 12 hours, he jumps on his face. So is that bad judgment or is that just, I don't give a shit what the 300 smart people in crypto are saying. What I care about is everybody else, right? Yeah. That's why Ben ETH has, a, has, a, uh, <clears throat> has an audience and you know a bunch of other people that do some questionable things. Um, mm -hmm. why is a token launching on Binance, right? Um, you know, why, like, so I'm looking at all these things and I'm thinking this is a data collection operation. I don't think they're collecting it for the CIA. Um, mm. I think that he's pitched it as a, some kind of platform that can gather a shit ton of data points that other people don't have, crowdsourcing it, get people to voluntarily give it in, same way mm -hmm. Facebook did and the other social media companies, amass enough data and then start to build these advertising profiles that they can serve out. What I don't know is how they're going to deliver it. Um, mm. But anyway, that's kind of my what I was thinking. I, I don't think this is the business. It doesn't make yeah. sense. The platform is free, right? right. So N Nansen has a huge business with paying mm -hmm. customers, providing the same service, and it's 150 a month, right? So if they're going to provide the same thing or better mousetrap for free, where does the revenue come from? 
apart from the exchange. So mm-hmm. how are they going to monetize this 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 body of data? And mm-hmm. and usually the simplest answer is the correct one. Yeah. So I mean, from what you explained, like like a lot of people get pissed off at this, but every social media that you know, you go on Instagram, you go on Facebook, they're doing this same shit. It sounds like the difference here is that Arkham said, okay, what if we took the web two model of data collection and tied a wallet address to it? Because they're now going to hit our DAP, right? And, so and- real quick, I, 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 cause I, I have a really good, I think a good, cons- not conspiracy theory, but I think this Arkham thing, like you're saying, Austin, they're trying to connect an address to this, but I think there are already existing ways to do that that big data firms probably are well along the way to figuring out or have already figured out. Hmm. Talk to a couple devs about this. Um, it's already kind of trivially easy to, to link a wallet address to say a Google identity, like an email and an IP or whatever, right? So like it's pretty simple for like big data companies that already have this infrastructure and the, the tech skills to, to do this. So I'm kind of thinking Arkham, well, they got a nice raise. I think it might be like an other example of them trying to do like a, a web three version of something that is going to be almost immediately surpassed by the institutional existing methods, right? Like, cause if they can, so yeah, they're already collecting your address and it's supposedly whenever you fulfill a bounty, it's anonymous, but they already have your address linked to the mm-hmm. email you send, right? It's pretty simple to build in a network from what that address is connected to, to affiliated wallets to track like what you're doing, unless you're going through tornado cash or anything like that. But it's already very possible to build, you know, digital identities for crypto consumers as is. This. I mean, if I were looking at this, like for an, from an investment standpoint, just cause I just started digging into it this morning. Like mm-hmm. I've just not barely been around and I would look at this and go, well, this is big business. Like this is, this is data, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and what if, you know, what if retail, retail is probably not their focus, but they need to have an arm of this business that gets enough retail in so that they can get that data. So they're, maybe that's why they're giving it, I don't know, they're giving this away for free or something like that. Like come in and use our search engine, connect your wallet, research it for whatever you want to do. And then mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you know, huge, huge ass companies are using an API and just pulling that data straight through or something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like a good business model personally. Oh yeah. What, what they need like is they need retail to participate. And that's that I'm, I'm trying to pick up these crumbs where, you know, that exchange doesn't need a token. It just complicates things unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. don't need the money because they raised 12 million hard money. Right, uh, you know, cash, not not some token. They didn't sell a token, um, so they don't need the money. So why have they gone to the trouble of the, the token mechanics, the Binance thing? Who gets attracted to those kind of things? Right, incentives. Yeah. yeah. So so they're trying to get, and, and then if you really were concerned about the backlash that you were getting in, you know, from the crypto community, um, maybe you go on Bankless. Like I'm not a fan of those guys, but they're certainly you know, um, held at a higher esteem than Mario. Why would you go <laughs> on that show to to make your case, right? Mm-hmm. You're not talking to Nick. You're talking to Joey in my basement, 763. Mm-hmm. So I think what they're trying to do, and, and I heard something on that. I didn't hear it all because I don't have the time, but I heard some of it. 
And 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 by the way, I'm not a fan of you know Ran or Scott Melker, and certainly not Mario. But those three guys went at this McGill fellow, right? <laughs> they didn't let him go. Um, they were respectful, but they basically said, "That's bullshit. That's bullshit. That's bullshit." This is what you're trying to do. This is what you're trying to do. This is what you're trying to do. So they actually did a very good job of holding his feet to the fire. Um, and one of the things I heard this guy say um, struck out to me as as very weird. He said that they have um, <clears throat> 250,000 active users on Arkham today. Hmm. Now, I can't give away too much, but because of my work at Ravello and, and, you know, talking to all the different firms in, in, in crypto, whether it's, you know, um, to have a commercial relationship or whether to advertise on their platform. I have a pretty good idea of the user numbers for a lot of businesses in crypto. Mm -hmm. And there is a 0% chance, uh -huh. zero, <laughs> yeah. that, that in private beta with this waitlist system that they've set up, in the last six months in this market have 250 daily active users. Now, maybe oh, he daily active. Maybe <laughs> I misunderstood with whatever 250,000. Like it, I, I, I don't, they, they've operated in stealth, right? So yeah. a couple of things that he said kind of stuck out to me as being weird. I could be wrong on that. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe the, 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 the way that the number was presented um, I misconstrued it, but something's not right here. Um, and I'm putting it in the too hard bucket. I'm not going to interact with it at all. Mm -hmm. um, I am, I'm, I'm not going to, obviously I'm not going to buy the token. I'm not going to try and short the thing. Um, I think that might be a viable play, but um, this guy's come out of nowhere. No one heard of him. All we have of him is this silly video where he shows up in pajamas um, and, and he's raised 12 million bucks from some serious people mm -hmm. to build what, what is he building? It's not this doxing exchange. Mm -hmm. So I'm somewhat concerned, but I don't care too much other than, you know, once it goes live, we can kind of reverse engineer or we not reverse engineer, but we can have a look at how it's working, how they're making these decisions. And what it will do is it will force all of us, Nick Corbell, Austin, to just take our privacy more seriously, right? Yeah. Um, you know, you if you put up a Nick Drake on bounty and you happen to find one of my wallets, then I'm just going to try a lot harder for you not to find the next one, mm -hmm. um, and and increasingly so. So I don't think um, it it is going to be this kind of you know um, uh, you know vigilante type mechanism that is going to fuck up crypto and cause us all chaos because I just think we get better at protecting ourselves as well. And that's why I think it's the ad business. I, yeah. That, that, that's really why I think that's the angle they're going to take. Um, well, the other It's such a black hole though of, of a story. It's like, there's so many, you know, cause we all, I love a good conspiracy. I will, you know, I'll make a conspiracy out of fucking anything, but like <laughs> how this guy that knew nobody get plugged in with Peter Thiel and, and Tim Draper and how, how in the fuck did they raise that money without a product and all these different things. And we've never heard of this guy, you know? So, well, I mean, you're going at it from the conspiracy angle, you know, is he a government plant? You know, there's a connection with Thiel and Palantir and certainly 
the the ingredients for that to be possible are present, right? But yeah. but the but the the most likely and simplest answer is he went to them and said, "Here's a billion dollar idea. Mm -hmm. I'm going to build Facebook for Web three. This is how I'm going to do it, and it's going to cost me nothing." to get there because I'm going to crowdsource all the information and I'm going to sell a token to people that don't know better. And they're going right. to go, hey, that's a good business. Yeah. I mean, is it though? Like, I think like, I think to me, so. this feels like a scam. Like, it feels like maybe like a guy whose dad is somebody or his uncle is somebody that put him in touch with these contacts. And he's like, look, he's got a business plan. It's pretty good. Um, but when I think of like who, like the people that are good at like, doing this on-chain sleuthing like are they going to use this really it like, doesn't it matter that's the enough? point they're going to give away a token they just need data they but, just need people to show the hell up right so if, like, you're, but, if you're if you're saying go complete saying, these, right? the these people 10 that actions on i'm sorry go ahead the, the the people this attracts to the idea of like this token is like retail people like joey in his basement is joey in yeah. his basement a good enough sleuth to like really get this token in the first place does zach xpt care about this token probably it doesn't not. matter joey in his if, basement buys products and and he's and gonna dox himself is, you you don't need you, you you don't need a million really good sleuths right mm -hmm. you need you know five groups of 20 and you know the world's a big place there's a lot of people that do a lot of this stuff um on the dark web in the shadows, sometimes mm -hmm. they do it for clout. Um, you only need like a few hundred people that are good at this to have systems in place to work, you know, shifts around the clock, and you'll be able to fulfill all the demand on the bounties. So you're right, Corbel. The average sleuther doesn't know what the fuck he's doing, and you don't need Zach. But there are a lot of good devs um, that will look at this thing, and if the incentives are, are, are high enough they'll they'll set up a system and they'll say hey they'll write software to be able to do this stuff automatically like they will work out hacks to uh, to get this information quickly and cheaply i'll make another yeah. point here mm -hmm. don call sorry I, I was oh, gonna, I just know. real quick piggybacking on that my advice to the devs that can do that would be uh not to do it through this but to set up an independent deal because if you can do that which i think is possible you might as well as just you know, skip the middleman, like to directly sell the big data because they'll pay for it, you know, especially if you have the infrastructure. But go on, Nick, your, uh, your next point. Yeah. So if you just think about this workflow, um, every single exchange, right? Um, or not every single exchange, but 95% of the exchanges currently require us to KYC. Okay. Mm -hmm. Regardless, only very few people don't touch a centralized exchange in some capacity at some point mm -hmm. in their journey, right? Um, the exchange knows who we are, okay? Now, they're very good at data protection for the most part, right? Um, but right now, there is not a lot of incentive, especially out in the open and especially at scale, for a low-level employee to look up, right, Nick, Nick, Nick at revelointel.com, right, on Binance mm -hmm. and find out information about my wallets. Now they have this incentive. So that that point of failure, right, um, is a problem because you can't plug it. If the number is high enough 
and these these exchanges are so large, the exchange cannot secure that information. You've got customer service, right? Mm -hmm. They're low level employees yeah. that can look up my wallet. So that's that's a problem. The other so problem on the other end is, let me just finish my thought, right? Mm -hmm. The other problem on the other end is, let's say now that information ends up on Arkham's platform and on Arkham's server. Now you have to trust Arkham to secure that shit, mm. right? Because now all of that information is on there. Maybe there's a submission, right? That says, you know, hey, I, I, I want to know information about Austin's wallets. And someone puts in a submission and they actually put his home address and his phone number in there. That information was transmitted somewhere and he's sitting on some server in Arkham's universe, right? They haven't been around for long, but they've had two major fuck-ups. One fuck-up was they someone mislabeled a government wallet around, you know, and then and then that Bitcoin moved and it crashed Bitcoin yeah. for like half a day, right? And they put their hand up and they're sorry, it was a mislabeling, blah, blah, blah. Okay. And then yesterday we uncovered that they were told in January that anyone signing up as an affiliate with a referral link, they were told, I've seen the screenshot, we've all seen the screenshot, that the way that that link is displayed, it is very easy for someone to extract the email address of the referrer. Yep. They were told in January, they didn't do shit about it, and they continued, and all the threaders DeFi just yeah. dox themselves. So my question is, is this this is this lack of sophistication in a firm to to house and secure all of this very very sensitive information what is our confidence level that these guys can secure it what is our confidence level that their employees aren't going to be able to get this stuff what's our confidence level that really good hackers aren't going to be able to run through their security like mm -hmm. a knife through warm butter because right now they've had two unforced errors and there's been no pressure on them. So <laughs> yeah. you've got this weakness at, 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 at the centralized entities that know everything about us, right? And you've got mm -hmm. a weakness with the platform that is receiving all the sensitive information. That's what scares me the most that in that workflow, it's very, very hard for something not to go terribly well, and we're talking about financial privacy here. And I think that's why it's such a big difference from like, you know, I had a bunch of e-commerce companies and we would advertise on Facebook and we put the little pixel on, you know, the Magento platform. And every time somebody bought that information would shoot over to Facebook and they would run it through and they would create a customer profile. And these mm -hmm. are the people that would get advertised to. And every time somebody new bought that profile would kind of morph into something more accurate. But all that's doing is running ads at me, right? This is, this. not only is it, it's a big security issue if let's say there was an address or let's say something did get tied back to me and somebody discovered my home address and now they have a number for assets and they have my home address. And how long until that becomes a security issue that actually happens and now, how like is this going to get tied back to arkham like are they suable in this regards if they were the reason that this shit went down financial security is a hell of a lot different than you know you're running ads for a Personal vacuum security. cleaner on my yeah. phone yeah. Mm -hmm. big difference yeah big difference and, and 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 you know it's i just don't see how it doesn't end poorly if that's the business 
that's why I'm kind of convinced it's not the business. It's something mm. else. It's it, it it's you know running ads or, or or selling this kind of you know and, and actually put out an FAQ that said we do not sell data. You know who else doesn't sell data? Facebook. Right. They don't sell mm. your data. They just use it, right, in their yeah. ad business. They don't sell it to anybody. I can't go to Facebook and say sell me some data on Austin. No, but I can say you know here's a hundred grand spend it over the next month. And I want to target everyone that looks like Austin and likes everything Austin likes and does whatever everything Austin does. And they go, yep, sure. No problem. Perfectly legal. And it works too. And that's, that's, so what it all drills down to is not that Joey in his basement is a great sleuth. It's, can you get enough Joey's to figure out an advertise if this is the business, an advertising profile and anyone that wants to hit those folks to get them to pull out their credit card and pay for a $50 a month item or whatever the hell. Um, I mean, this is targeted advertising. Like if that is indeed what the business is, it's a fucking good business. And I understand why, why Teal and, and Draper and Altman would want to get involved in it because it, it can be a billion dollar business if done without getting everyone to hate you and nobody yeah, and, using your platform. And the reason it's, it's such an interesting business and idea is we currently have a problem as businesses in crypto in that there is no targeted advertising, right? Ravello Intel sells research. The kind of customer that we're trying to attract is a very small sub subsection of, 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 of DeFi and crypto, right? They need to have capital at risk. They need to be somewhat sophisticated, right? So I'm trying to find those people. I can't do it. I need to spray and pray. I need to create my own distribution with YouTube channels and newsletters and all these different things. But there's nothing out there that can help me pinpoint the kind of user that I want to target. If you could provide me with that solution, I would pay a huge premium because it's better than spraying and praying on Twitter or on YouTube or you know advertising in a bunch of newsletters, which is what we all currently do. Mm -hmm. um, and from a protocol standpoint, if you're a protocol, right? And you operate on Arbitrum and, you know, you're paying threaders on, 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 on Twitter or you're paying YouTubers, like that's not what you want. You want who uses Arbitrum and who lends, you uses lending markets on Arbitrum mm -hmm. and who has X amount of capital at risk on Arbitrum in lending markets. You would pay a lot more to do that. No one can do that yet. So whoever can is going to make a freaking fortune. Oh yeah, that's bringing the, that's bringing the advertising and the marketing back into the 21st century. So what you're talking about, Dracon, is kind of like that newsletter style, that like general ad shooting style. That's like the classic, like you're saying, spray and pray. You run a commercial in the Super Bowl, hope everyone Real watches it. Radio. That's what it mm -hmm. looked like 30 years ago. Exactly. Right? Um, and then in the early 2000s, Google, right, with the text targeting, you mm -hmm. could target keywords. But Facebook nailed it because now you could target individuals with certain characteristics for dozens of, of different data points. And that completely revolutionized commerce, digital commerce, because your CPMs dropped drastically. We we're printing money for a decade in the Facebook ad pools. Now what's happened, because everyone stopped using Facebook, right? I don't know anyone that uses Facebook the way they did in 2009. I certainly mm -hmm. don't do it. That data has gotten stale, not as useful. And now if you look at CPMs, right, they're, 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 they're not very profitable right now. It is a very difficult 
business. A decade ago, you jump on YouTube, you buy a course for $29, how to drop ship out of China, you spin up a Shopify store, you run a few Facebook ads, you didn't know how to tie your own shoelaces, you made money. Yep. It was so good <laughs> at targeting people that wanted to buy that widget for $30. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't exist in crypto. And there's so much money sloshing around from businesses like Ravello, right? I'm sure Block uh, uh, Blockbytes might want to do some advertising at some point. If you're a protocol, if you're Masari, all of these businesses that are trying to get market share don't have an efficient marketing um, uh, uh, channel. And if these guys do it, I think, you know, oh, it's yeah. worth going after. Those so like a question for you, Nick, like what if, okay, so the, the, the part of Facebook that actually works is they take the data and they use it on their own platform and they direct sell the advertising kind of the, the way that I'm thinking about Arkham, because they aren't, they do not have their own advertising platform that is widely enough used to work, right? Unless somebody was just feeding ads like Google AdSense, they would then have to actually share this data out externally, right? Is that kind of what, what the rub was that you were that, talking about that, is? Yeah, that, that would be a problem legally. I think what they would do, what they would do is what every other social media company did is build the app platform in the background and then serve those ads on their front end. So for Facebook, it was our feed. For Instagram, it's your feed. Maybe for Arkham, because it's free, as you're browsing around and looking at wallets, now they have ad placements, right? And it will be subtle at first, and you'll pay by CPM. And I've got to be honest with you, unless these guys turn out to be a scam and like I just don't want to do business with them, like if they can kind of have a smooth a smooth transition to that and it doesn't turn out that this guy is another SPF, Ravello's going to be an advertiser, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Because, because what other alternative do I have um, as a business trying to like it? So that's, what, that's how I would do it if that's what they're trying to do. Agreed. Agreed. Similarly... Similarly, you're on DBank, right? You see ads. You're on CoinMarketCap. You see ads. You're on all, you know, it's very easy to, to kind of implement um, ad placements on your existing platform um, if that's the way they're going to go. Um, I, I want someone to ask him the question um, because it shouldn't be a secret, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't a secret for Facebook or anything. Yeah, we're going to take all this data. We're going to give you this really valuable tool for free. And you're going to see an ad every 18 seconds. And we'll be like, maybe, okay. maybe, maybe it needs to be a secret though. I mean, maybe that's kind of the business model is like, if it's, if all of this is coming out, if we're able to sit on this podcast and say, Hey, this is what we think they're doing. And that is in fact, truly what they're doing. People don't and now like the press is not good about Arkham. In fact, if you, you know, anything you read about Arkham right now is not favorable. It's all bullshit. It's all, you know, these guys work for the Pentagon or whatever. Um, but who's going to use their platform now? I'm not going to touch it with a 10-foot pole because I know precisely what they're going to do with the data, or at point, least Austin. I think I do. Because we're all sensitive to, you know, all of our data. Got, you know, we were the product for Facebook and Instagram and, you know, all of the – we 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 know that story, so we're sensitive to it. So if they came out and just said that, maybe you're right. Maybe Joey in his basement goes, ah, I'm not going to touch that. That's another Facebook. Um, Maybe. Let let me give you another interesting stat. Mm -hmm. You know, Corbyn made the point that the tech exists, the know-how exists to to identify and, and, you know, link real-world data with on-chain data. Nansen has raised 90 million. 
right? That is a lot of money. Um, and, you know, if the business was, you know, people want to know Austin's wallets and people want to know Nick's wallets, if um, that know-how, right, was, was, you know, would enhance their product, they certainly have the bankroll to build it into their product, but they mm -hmm. didn't, right? And they've still got a good product without telling me Andre Cronier's email address. Mm -hmm. They're just showing here's Andre's wallet. This is how it's transacting. Do with that information as you please. I don't need his email address. So if these components that Arkham is trying to use to enhance the product actually enhanced that product, Nansen would have taken the 90 million they raised and done it. Because mm -hmm. they've been at it a while. The fact they haven't done it means it's not necessary for that product, the wallet tracking service, right? Mm -hmm. But it is necessary if you're trying to build some kind of algorithmic ad platform that can build customer cohorts or, or build customer profiles in the background. So that was interesting to me as well. Why yeah. do you think, question for you, Nick or Corval, whoever wants to take this one, why do you think that Arkham <clears throat> was instantly villainized and Nansen being like, they're kind of the, they identify wallets, you know, they haven't been villainized. They've been actually raised up as a really positive platform for crypto. Um, I think the communication sucked, right? Um, so those are saying, well, now they've given you an incentive to dox people. Nansen has what they call the scout program, right? It is not a secret. They, they hire dozens of people, maybe hundreds of people around the world. They get paid a couple of grand a month and their job is to sit there on Nansen and label wallets, mm -hmm. right? So people do have an incentive. I, I, I think they're either contractors or employees, but that, that's not a secret, right? That's how all of that, that data gets populated. So that is not inherently different from doing that, but using a marketplace and letting everyone participate as they see fit. So, mm. so, so the, 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 the outrage isn't that there is an incentive to label people's wallets because Nansen does that. I think the way that they did it, the, the language they used, the fact that they're launching a token, it's on Binance, um, and, and that their language was very vague, right? And no one really understands how they're going to get this right or wrong. Um, the, 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 and, and it's out in the open, right? I want Austin's info. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That, that might happen at Nansen, but we don't see it. So I just mm -hmm. think optically, um, um, from a comms standpoint, they kind of completely fucked it up. And I think it's because they don't care what Nick Corbell or Austin thinks, right? They don't care about what the 3,000 people on crypto Twitter that take this stuff seriously think. Their market is everybody else. Yeah. Bingo. Makes sense. I think they also fumbled the bag pretty hard with the email address thing. Uh, yeah. that's going to open up a lot of people to phishing scams. Uh, that's incompetence. Yeah. That's it's incompetence. really incompetent. Yo, I got to go take a leak. I'll be right back. All right, cool, cool. Um, so, I mean, we've beaten the hell out of the, of, of the Arkham thing, although I find it to be a very interesting topic. I've got a friend works for, uh, one of the big, well, he works for a competitor for the big three data firms. And he was telling me the amount of data they have is extraordinary. They can nail you. They can narrow down a market to the very, very core, like to the very, very specific. Um, if you remember Cambridge Analytica, look it up sometime. Very, very interesting what you can do with big data. 
Uh, but let's move along a little bit Definitely. here. Drake on, I want to know what you think about the multi-chain thing. We got people asking about it. This is the latest news I've seen. Multi-chain is still down um, for Phantom. And if we were to take a look at this, you know, we see lots of DPEGs here, right? You got USDC, 41 cents die, 29 cents. Um, if you're a big believer in Phantom, you could take a trade here, right, Dracon? You could buy some of this if you think they're going to repeg it, the bridge is going to reopen. Uh, what do you, you think? Could. Yeah, you could. You could do that. <laughs> but unless unless you know where this uh, multi-chain CEO is, and unless mm. you're in the room at multi-chain, fucking don't, <laughs> right? Because yeah. the most likely scenario, as it was six weeks ago, when this guy first disappeared and there first were issues, right? The most likely scenario is that something terrible has happened. I don't care what it is. Maybe got arrested and this is law enforcement draining the funds, right? Maybe, you know, he got kidnapped and he's been... What I don't care what it is. People can speculate. All I know is that the the this organization that this chain relies heavily on Something isn't right. And it mm -hmm. wasn't right several weeks ago. The Phantom Foundation moved their funds at that time, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people moved their funds at that time. I know in the Revelo Discord, you know, we were talking about it openly. And a lot of people that only transact on Phantom said, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm out until I learn more. Now, mm -hmm. if you didn't do that and you hung around and now this has happened, what do you think the next step is? Everything is okay. <laughs> everyone else is wrong yeah so unless you know everything else is wrong unless you know everything is okay and that you know you you, you actually have inside info mm -hmm. this is in the two hard bucket guys right um we might never find out what actually happened here it disappoints me a lot because um you know the my entry into public life in crypto was through phantom austin was a big part of it with ftm alerts um, Justin Biebus that we, you know, we're on a show together for a really long time. I had lunch today with Dr. Liquid, mm -hmm. right? So, um, but as an investment, as something where I can trust my capital and, 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 and interact and use these protocols in its current form, I just don't have enough information for me to, with a straight face, say that, um, you know, uh, the risk return here makes sense for me to do it. And, and it pains me because there's a lot of good people working in Phantom. Most of the big protocols have diversified their exposure, not mm -hmm. because of this, but because it makes sense to be multi-chain. The Byte Masons have done it, Liquid Driver recently. Like everyone is kind of op operating, most people are operating in a multi-chain world. Mm -hmm. um, but it certainly pains me. I don't blame the foundation. I know everyone wants someone to blame. What do you want them to do? Maybe they right. should have had more options Mm -hmm. earlier on but that's not their responsibility right you could have used other options you could have been aware of the risk you take by using a bridged asset it's well documented um mm -hmm. so now to kind of you know sit there and say you know the foundation let us down they should make but guys you have to take responsibility for the risk that you were exposed to and how long you were exposed to it but it really pains me because i i, I, yeah. I don't think phantom um is going to be able to turn this around uh, in the short or medium term. Like, where does the incremental user come to Phantom now? Like, yeah. people that have been burnt 
leave. So where does the new guy come from and why, right? There's no incentive program. Like, so it pains me because it, it's, it's actually a joy to use. It's cheap. Yeah. It's fast. Um, but, you know, it is what it is from an investment and a usage standpoint. You can't touch it on the current situation. Yeah. So when you were when you were talking, Nick, I was scrolling through uh, a phantom chat that I'm in, and there were some messages in here from Kong that he put into the main chat, uh, and this was from like yesterday ago, or the Austin. day before. What's that? Two, two days. I read it. It's two days ago. Okay. Yeah? All right. Something's coming out imminently, and he like he exactly. knows something. Yeah, but nothing's come out. But nothing's happened. And well, I, I wonder am, what I the big reveal could possibly be. It was. It's I'm all definitely of the opinion that. You know, Zhao Zhen was detained, uh, and I think that's his name. And you know, th these were moved to an EOA. Like there were a couple of subsequent ten million dollar hacks that were obfuscated and that were you know ran through Tornado or, or what have you. But like the main emptying was definitely a private key, uh, and it's still sitting there, which really leads me to believe that it was a law enforcement or a governmental thing in china that's that's so most, really my guess most likely scenario most yeah. likely scenario yeah but we don't know but if you're sitting there right now thinking well should i buy this usdc at, what is it now corbel can you look it up is it, is it, uh 42 is it cents un, un, yeah Ooh. right um if you're thinking about should i buy it again unless you know then the most likely thing is it goes to 30 and 20 and 10 and then it probably mm -hmm. hangs her at 10 because there's always going to be you know a bid at 10 cents. Um, but what a shitty situation. It, oh, yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it, it kind of, you know, it upset me a little bit, um, especially because everyone could have avoided mm -hmm. losing 50% of their money if if they just, you know, used some common sense a few weeks ago. And what do you mean? This guy got, these guys disappeared and, and, and now there's these problems with the bridge not working? Like, guys, you're all conspiracy theorists. Right, get the we hell out. Connect these dots. Yeah, yeah. Like, what else do you want? Take your money out, chill out, and wait for the screw to drop. Um, and if you're wrong, you didn't lose anything. Maybe you right. lost five percent, eight percent, ten percent, twelve percent. So that there's a few things that are disappointing about. It. I mean, what do you think, Austin? Like, you know, you're, you're you're still close to everyone in Phantom. Yeah, I actually haven't spoken to the Phantom team in in since. When was the last time I hung out with those guys? Oh, since Quantum Miami in January. That was the last time I, I mean, I've chatted with them, but like that was the last time I'd been in person with them. And I really love those guys, you know? And I believe, you know, I believe in their hearts. Like they want to create something that's really, really good. I, I believe that about them. And, you know, at the same time, I go back to, it was March or April of 2021. The bull market was kicking off and Phantom was just at the point of, can we deploy DeFi on this chain? We had the ability to, you know, mint shit coins, but we couldn't really get any assets over there. And multi-chain was really just coming into their own at that time. And of course, him and Andre would, they would communicate publicly on Twitter, which was probably scripted, but he basically came in and said, no, no, it would be easy to go ahead and bridge some money over. Here's how we do it. And that's how frapped USDT came, came about, uh, which was, it, it had to do with uh, the popsicle finance platform. And Danny was involved in all that, which seems like a world ago mm -hmm. and from that point to this point it just seems like you know nobody had even though it was a very clear and present danger for anyone that looked in uh you know nobody really had any motivation to diversify uh the assets on chain in that way 
And, and if, if Andre's comments were right, that, you know, Binance and Circle and Tether always view Phantom as a scam, and that's why they didn't give them any native stable coins, you know, on the network, then, you know, it was kind of doomed from the start, uh, because mm -hmm. that is the only layer one that's not on Coinbase. It's, you know, it's, it's certainly been around long enough that Circle would have taken notice. Like, why do these guys think that Phantom is a scam? Like... There's got to be two something comments. there. Sure. Two comments there, Austin. Um, the first, the first one is um, I, I advise a few hedge funds that that deployed money into into DeFi over the last twelve months, um, and 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 both of them, both of them, explicitly, as a matter of um, you know, set in stone risk management, would not transact on any chain. Where they didn't have native USDC. Okay. Mm, so yep. they understood the risk, but everyone listening, most people listening to this and listening to FTM alerts for all of those weeks that we were doing it, understood that a bridged asset has this inherent risk. This is how it can go wrong. It's not a very complicated or technical thing, but we all chose to take on that risk. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's the first thing. Right, understand what risk you're taking and be okay with it. I transacted on Phantom. I had USDC on Phantom, right? Um, and I understood the risk that I was taking that this was going to be possible. Now, if something happened and the CEO disappears and something goes wrong and USDC depegs to 95 cents on Phantom, I know that there is a risk that something is awry and I will mm -hmm. take the loss and I will move out and I've under I've underwritten that risk. And I've assessed that I can make enough money in the interim for me to take that risk. So that's the first thing. Risk management is a thing. The second thing is on the point that you made around, you know, uh, uh, Tether, Circle, Binance, et cetera, um, considering uh, 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 Phantom a scam and as a result, not doing business with them. On this point, okay, and, you know, maybe he got, gets upset at me, but, you know, such is life. I think it is the foundation's fault right? If for two and a half, three years, whatever long it is, you go to meet with Circle and they say, look, we can't work with you for these 18 reasons, right? If, 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 if you're a serious operator and, and, and you, know, you understand the significance of having native USDC on your chain for it to survive, then you would say, great, here's 18 things. We're going to correct them and we're going to come back to you in six months. And then when I went back and they said, yeah, you fixed those things. Now I want you to fix this thing. Right, because we need to be satisfied that you are operating at a certain level. The foundation gets a lot of flack for a lot of shit that's not their fault, but they are the ones that can talk to Tether. They are the ones that can talk to Binance and talk to Circle. They are the ones in control, and they had enough time to alleviate any concerns that these third parties had mm -hmm. to come in for compliance, whatever the, with whatever they wanted. Now, if some of the things on that list um, violated some kind of principle that the foundation has in terms of how they want to operate the chain, right? Um, you know, maybe they didn't want to KYC. I, I don't know, right? Then they should have just been open with everyone and said, look, we talked to Circle. The reason that we're not doing it are these three things. We want to remain decentralized. We don't want to be their bitches, whatever you want to do. But the way that it happened, and now after all that time to kind of say in a, in a, in a kind of uh, uh, blase way, eh, 
we tried. They think it's a scam. We couldn't do anything. I, on that point, I'm sorry, but I can't defend them. I have, I have some kind of like, <clears throat> and I, I actually do agree with you wholeheartedly on this one, Nick. And I think a big, so uh, two points I want to make. One is, you know, for everyone that doesn't know, everyone should know, but the team that, that currently owns and runs Phantom was not the team that launched Phantom, right? So they were not the minters mm -hmm. of the token. And a ton of the Phantom that the, the Phantom Foundation currently holds, they actually bought off the market when it was really, really, really low. Uh, like back in 2020, when I was buying, it was just super, super low, like half a penny. <clears throat> so obviously they made a lot of price appreciation on that. But then their whole focus, in my opinion, became runway. It became, we must survive, which is not a bad thing to focus on. Obviously survival mm -hmm. is, you've got to be able to survive. But I have heard and read through the grapevine multiple different times that, you know, there were that they didn't want to open up the pocketbook, basically, that they didn't they didn't want to pay what it was going to take uh, to be able to, you know, to be able to go ahead and get a lot of these big name things done that they possibly could. You look at Polygon, they're sitting on, you know, their treasury has like five billion Matic tokens in it. You know, you look at Avalanche, they minted their own, they have their token, you know, all the other layer ones have their token. So I think that probably play, plays a bit of a role. Uh, in the reasons why none of these things came about. And now as a result of that, you know, it's biting them in the ass. I mean, Austin, you know, you, you, you run businesses, right? You know, it's all about trade-offs. You've got mm -hmm. decisions to make and then you need to kind of weigh them up. So if Circle wants 100 million, 50 million, 10 million, and you're like, I don't want to pay that, no problem. You make that decision, right? But... It doesn't remove the vulnerability that exists that you are aware of that you know if at some point something happens with this thing that we rely on my whole house falls down so mm -hmm. you need to if you're a leader and you know the executive team and i'm not pointing out andre here but you know there's a team there you should understand where the vulnerabilities exist in your business and your job is to try and neutralize those vulnerabilities. If you can't, if you don't want to neutralize it by paying Circle 50 million, no problem. Don't do it. But you still need to neutralize it, right? Mm -hmm. You know, um, and, and in terms of survival, yeah, you want runway for survival. But every business has these, you know, Achilles heels. I do it all the time in all my businesses. I, I spend a lot of time, a disproportionate amount of my time thinking about what are the six things that could happen that absolutely fucks this business? Hmm. What are they, right? Um, when I had an e-commerce business in, in, in Australia, one of the things was Amazon having a warehouse in Australia. They didn't. So that was on my list. And then I spent a lot of time putting in strategies and tactics to hedge against what do I do if Amazon comes to these shores, right? Mm -hmm. That's what you do. And, and the reason I, I want to hold them to account on this point is they failed in this very important component. Don't pay Circle 50 million if you think it's not worth it, but still solve the problem. And there were other right. ways to solve the problem, right? And they had enough time. So on, on that point, I, I, I think they dropped the ball. And um, perhaps FUSD, like John Steps is saying, you know, could have, but it's too little too late at this point. And I want to, you know, again, I, I really like the Phantom Foundation guys. I've always, mm -hmm. you know, been a supporter so of them. I'm not currently a holder of the token and I actually haven't been for a little while. Um, but, you know, I do want to say that like 
this may also be a symptom of not having a guy like Nick Dracon in C-suite and having a whole bunch of tech guys uh, in C-suite, you know, as opposed to having business minded, risk averse, you know, maximize profit and minimize risk mm -hmm. type of type of eyes looking at it, you know. It takes all kinds to be a success. You can't just have programmers, dude. Um, talking about alternatives, though, because I kind of want to wrap this up because I do want to hit CPI before because we got it in the thumbnail, dude. We got to talk about it. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I found yeah, this yeah, kind of yeah. interesting uh, on Hacker Noon. Here's a conspiracy. Dracon loves these, but uh, I don't know how much of a conspiracy Ooh. it is, but it is kind of ironic that on the same day as the multi chain bridge kind of really finally shit the bed, uh, we Can got you control layers. Plus that? Can you zoom in? Yeah, Layer Zero, Stargate, and Axelar are live now. Um, so if you are stuck there, you could still kind of get out. Uh, it was within minutes. But but again, the only people that should have been able to move money out of the bridge would be multi-chain themselves. Mm -hmm. And the left hand of multi-chain did not know what the right hand was doing if it truly was multi-chain that moved them, which only leads me to believe it was either not multi-chain or somebody with access to the private keys was forced into doing that. Mm. And, and, but I'm also curious as to, you know, there were other bridges, like it wasn't just phantom and moonbeam. And I don't know what the other one was. Uh, like there were other bridges bigger, uh, that, you know, could have been siphoned that were not. And mm -hmm. so it's, it's interesting all the way around. I think that's more of a coincidental thing. I think mm -hmm. if if it were multi-chain doing it, then they would they would slam their foot on the gas and try and double down on trying to you know have market share as opposed to just saying oh fuck you guys mm -hmm. you know unless it's like you know the girlfriend that finds out you're gonna break up with her and she tries to break up with you first you know <laughs> that sort of mm -hmm. shit which happened in school. Yeah. Uh, sorry we broke your heart, QVG, because uh, Phantom did make this show, but. You know, times change, dude. <laughs> well, no, I mean, listen, I, I, I'm a big supporter of Phantom. I still am. And just because I don't currently hold them doesn't mean I won't in the future. Um, it's just, you know, I, I have learned something over the last couple of years, which I know a lot of people have tried to tell me. Um, but it's, it's, you know, and I know you've said this, Nick, is, you know, be nimble. Uh, don't, you know, don't Stay get in get, motion. Wait. Yeah. Stay and I, and I was not that. I was very attached to teams. And I was very just in love with what, watching them build and being a part of it in the community. And that, that definitely, definitely hurt me uh, in a financial sense, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and I've also learned another thing is that narratives are real and you don't necessarily need to have different tech or superior tech to have a narrative that is fresh and new and exciting for people to get behind because money's going to flow where money's going to be made. Uh, yeah. And so right now, to your point, Nick, you said it earlier, what incentive is there for anyone to come to Phantom? There isn't. And, and the TVL is now number 21 or something like that. Transactions are at a, you know, very low, very, very low. Like, you know, I don't know where it's going. Um, so that, that, that was my reasoning behind it is, is I exited that and, and any of my, my, phantom positions that i held with the exception of of oath you know i have some oath uh, but that's pretty much it phantom is ailing and if it's going to recover it's going to take some time much like the u.s economy well i guess really the global economy um mm -hmm. the u.s economy seems to be doing pretty well comparatively if we go to a macro approach here cpi was just released today uh three percent point one percent better than they thought it was going to be but that's still progress um 
I do want to point out here, because I'm a bit of a hater, if we go a little bit deeper here and we see, you know, gas is making, energy is making up a major, wrong tab, energy is making up a big chunk of the decrease, uh, meaning I heard someone put it as say what you will about Biden, but he's one hell of an oil trader. He's doing <laughs> great on trading oil. But if we drill down a little bit, things get a little bit less rosy. Uh, shelter price increased by almost 8%, traveling over 8%. So people are still hurting pretty bad here. Yeah. Now, what does this mean for rate hikes? I was kind of surprised by this. I'd be eager to hear what you guys think about this because you think we do good on CPI and PCE, I didn't mention, but PCE is also uh, lower than was expected. So we're doing good there. Most people are saying we're going to get another hike this month. You know, well, Jay Powell said that. I mean, Powell said, you know, he he, he said he's leaving. What do you say? He's leaving the door open for future rate hikes if mm -hmm. the data suggests that that's necessary. And I think that may be why you know everyone's you know voting in that column currently is because you know screw it. Well, see, that's but, what I'm saying though is is that I, I remember him saying we're going to leave it open for additional rate hikes. We're going to take a wait and see approach for this month. Last month he said that, but isn't the data looking kind of good? But not hold on though. I, I've got to, I'm going to take the other side of this and say, and this really only occurred to me recently. And especially looking, can you pull up the chart you just had up about energy and food and everything? Oh, yeah. Because about the energy. one thing on that chart that the Biden administration really could control mm -hmm. was energy. Uh, from that's not the one back one more. This one. Uh, yeah, that guy. Look at that. Literally everything is up with the exception of the cost of gas is down something like 30% and you know, whatever goes into making up that oil, the energy. And that's yeah. because the, you know, the Biden administration basically unloaded the SPR, the strategic petroleum reserves that we had here domestically. And they did that, you know, leading up to the election because gas prices were the thing that people were, you know, it was really like right in your face. We're paying so much for gas. Um, and it seems to me that a lot of this CPI number is made up of those things that have been strategically forced down. Now, what happens when that stops, right? Are we going to have a massive like rebound in true inflation? Because it sounds to me like this number that we're getting is mainly coming in at this level because of the way they've decided to compute these numbers. And if they were to give more weighting to food or more weighting to rent and housing, uh, we wouldn't be looking so pretty, you know, and that's where the core CPI, I think, comes in a lot more. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, because, yeah, there's no more fuel to unload. So what's going to happen? You know, you move this chunk out of there. Is real inflation more like 6%, 7%, something outrageous? It seems like but it. For For the purpose of like what this show is about, you know, uh, if you look at, you know, let's go look at the S and P right now. Hang on. Let me share, share my screen. Um, it is, you know, it's looking pretty good. Uh, it's, it's, you know, looking quite good. In fact, uh, we had a throwback to the trend line and we broke and, you know, a lot of people are saying blow off top potential. I don't know if that's going to happen, but we do have the Dixie, which is like, it's at basically its lowest level that we've seen in, in, over 365 days like that's this is a significant move so whether that's truly inflation or not but whether or not this narrative is enough to get some money to flow back into the markets like fuck that's what we're here for right mm -hmm. nick 
I know you have thoughts. I'm Let me interested. Throw this up here. Make us so provide this link. All right, just gave you a link. All right. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> this is the Red Book Retail Sales Index. Okay. Okay. Um, <clears throat> uh, for those that don't know, right, this um, tracks store-on-store -store growth, retail growth, right? Oh. Um, it's been going down for 19 months. If Corbel, if you can just hit hit the one year, the one year button. Mm -hmm. All right. Oh yeah. Hit the twenty. Hit the twenty-five year button. Oh my. Interesting. Uh oh. <laughs> Wait. So, what does this tell? Can you explain this? So, what this tells us is when you have high, like the first thing you need to understand is, and you know this, economies, the global economy is a semi trailer, right? You can't turn it around quickly. Everything has six month, nine month, 12 month, 18 month lags. Okay. When you've got super high inflation like we had, you need the only way to get it down, right, is demand destruction. Demand destruction happens over a lag because you jack interest rates up really quickly over a six month period, right? Most people don't get into shit at that six months. They get into shit six months after, 12 wow. months after, mm -hmm. as their credit card debt spirals out of control, their mortgage. So there's this really, really big lag. So you just showed the S&P straight line up for six mm -hmm. months. Yay. But, and everyone says, well, the US economy is doing great, right? CPI is coming down. You know what an indication of CPI coming down is? The economy is not doing great. The economy is getting the ass kicked out of it. This is retail sales. Now, this is a monthly index. It's been going down for 19 months. If you can just hit refresh, Corbel, just so we can get back to the first visual. Yeah. It's been positive during that 19-month decline. It just went negative. Mm. Now, if, I'm not a chartist, right? Because I think that's astronomy, you know, for for, for men. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, but but where the what the chartists are trying to do is identify trends because mm -hmm. certain behaviour just takes time to, to 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 occur. You've got this line going straight down for 19 months. It just hit negative, which is contraction. That means if you're a Nike retail store, right, for the first time in 19 months, you actually, your revenue contracted. It's been mm. growing at a decelerating rate for 19 months. What do you think the July number looks like? What do you think the August contraction. looks like? Yeah. Ooh. Right? This doesn't yeah. turn around like this. Yeah? This isn't a Bitcoin chart. So mm -hmm. I told you that story to now tell you this story. Because we want to work out, well, what happens next? Are we buying the S&P now that it's broke out of this trend and everyone's bullish, right? So, <clears throat> thankfully, we have tons of data in the real economy, so we don't have to guess. <clears throat> mm -hmm. um, PMIs are the Purchasing Managers Index. It is taken globally in all the major economies, and it is basically a, 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 a survey and data points given from purchasing managers at the at, at the earliest 
stages of the economy, which is manufacturing, right? So this is the end of the this is the end of the workflow, the end of the value chain, which is the Nike retail store, the Lululemon retail store where Austin buys his his shorts from. Um, <laughs> now, <clears throat> if you go to the beginning of the value chain, you go to the manufacturers. Here's some stats: <clears throat> Japanese machine tool orders. So this isn't factory orders. This is Japanese and Korean and Taiwanese factories ordering new machinery. You order new machinery when you expect expansion in your orders and you expect expansion in the global, in the global marketplace that you operate in. <clears throat> it printed in June a minus 21.7% year-on-year decline. It's a year-on-year number. Right. Wow. So 12 months ago, that index was 21.7% higher. What does that tell you? That the largest manufacturers in the world think about what consumer demand looks like in the US, right? Because a lot of the stuff that the US, a lot of the things that the global economy consumes comes out of Southeast Asia and Japan. <clears throat> Another stat <clears throat> the put call, oh, okay. Yeah, so Taiwan and South Korean export orders, right, which is now they're exporting mm -hmm. to Europe and the US, um, <clears throat> have, have, have fallen to cycle lows. They've never been lower in the last, during this cycle. That's bad. Bankruptcy filings in the first half, which just concluded, are accelerating at an unprecedented rate. Remember, these oh things my. take time. If you're a business, you don't go bankrupt the day that interest rates hit 5%. You go bankrupt 13 months later, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? So that's yeah. starting to tick up. <clears throat> what else do I have here? The put call ratio, right? So the ratio of puts in open interest compared to, to calls, and this is institutional money. This is the smartest money that you're going to find, right? It's not Robin Hood traders, um, has been at the lowest level since 2021. Right. Mm. Um, that was the peak 2021. So when you think about the cycle and what happens, you had this huge peak in 2021. Smart money goes, this is nuts. We should buy more puts than calls. What happened? Ass fell out of the market. Right. Little bit of wash, some good news, some bad news. Market rallies. Right. Now the smart money, what do they do? Exit. Balls deep, short, Corval. Balls deep, short. That's what I'm doing. Money's doing, right? So, the global economy, the global economy is on track, as I've been talking about on this show and other shows for 12 months, is on track to do what we expected it to do. These mm -hmm. things just take time to move out. So, if you've made some money on this recent run-up, great. And by the way, my comments here are specifically related to you know, commodity markets, um, uh, the traditional markets, right? Bitcoin is trading. It's not correlated the way that it was previously. I don't understand it fully. So just because I'm really bearish on the global economy and corporate earnings, that's a much easier trade than what happens with Bitcoin. There's other dynamics. You've got ETFs. You've got all these other things that we can unpack later. But as it relates to the good news with the CPI, yeah, that just means the economy is getting butt fucked. Yeah. Um, and that's good for inflation, but it's bad for economic activity 
over the next 6, 12, 18 months, bad for the consumer, bad for small business, bad for anyone that's in debt, because the conditions that are present that have allowed for this thing to happen, why retail sales month on month have, have reduced for 19 months in a row, is the consumer is getting squeezed. They have to pay mm -hmm. more in their mortgage. They have to pay more on their credit cards. And, and, and that increases. Next month, more people will be in trouble than this month. Because some mm, people know. have family, they have savings, they've got a car to sell, they've got some stocks to sell. So, you know, you've got to get through everyone in that hierarchy <laughs> of socioeconomic standing. And it's just beginning. Question yeah. for you, Nick, real quick. Because, you know, from, from my understanding, they can yank us out of recession a lot easier than they can put us in one, right? The, the, the tightening takes a lot longer than the money printer takes, uh, essentially. So yes. what are your thoughts on, are they, are they looking to get us down to these levels just to bounce us back out or, or what do you, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Look, it's a fantastic question. Um, no one, well, very few smart people, right. Um, have a coherent argument for me being wrong about everything I just said in terms of the global economy is slowing at a very rapid rate. Everyone mm -hmm. agrees. Right? That's smart. Where the debate is, is, okay, do global governments do nothing and let the pain happen? Or do they step in and save us again? That's where the debate is. The debate mm. isn't that the, the world's going to end up in a really bad recession. The debate is, what do these governments do? I don't know. Right? Naturally, there's a, there's, there's a variety of outcomes. I don't think there is the political appetite um, for extreme pain, right? There's an election mm -hmm. year coming up. Um, you know, the Democrats surely are not afraid of spending money. They are somewhat hindered with how much they can spend and what they can spend it on because there's a process to go through. But they find ways to do things. And I think they will try their utmost to limit the pain to, to their constituency. Um, now, to what quantum, right? What is the quantum of that? Yeah. So stopping, you first you've got to stop raising rates before you reduce raising rates, mm -hmm. right? Um, uh, no one wants high inflation again. So I don't know, right? Mm -hmm. um, if, if, if they reduce rates, I just don't see a scenario where rates get below 3%. I, I don't see it happening, right? Mm -hmm. It, it just never happens, uh, uh, guys. If you go through and you look at, you know, interest rate kind of the, the history of these things, you know, uh, uh, Jay Powell has already made a fool of when when he got it wrong on inflation. He's very cognizant of his legacy um, not being that I got it wrong on the way up and then I got it wrong again on the way down and I got slapped both ways. Mm -hmm. So, look, I don't know, man. I'm not smart enough to kind of predict what they're going to do, um, but they will signal it. I don't think you're going to see these surprises. I think you'll see a change in the rhetoric. I think you'll see a change in the language. Um, I don't think he wants to look like an idiot again. And and right. I don't want, you know, global pain, um, but the economies are getting, are under a lot of stress. Mm -hmm. and, and, and the majority of the contraction if you if if you look at consumer credit, it's off the charts, all time mm -hmm. highs. Look at that chart, scary as fuck. Mm -hmm. 
right? Yeah. Um, and it keeps going up because the more in debt you get and the harder your life gets, right? What do you do? You get a second credit card, right? You get a third mm -hmm. credit card. Maybe you go borrow from Luigi down at the card club, right? Like you, you, most people will fight to the end, right? They don't just throw their hats. They, they, they don't just mm -hmm. throw their hands in the air and say, hey, I'm out, I'm bankrupt. You fight it for as long as you can. And right. most of us can fight for 12 months, mm -hmm. two years, three years. So, you know, that's my view. I, I, I don't know what happens next. I've had a, a short bias for a really long time. I oscillate from net short to neutral. I try not to lose any money as the markets go up. And I try to make a fortune when the markets dump. And that's how I'm playing it. Because my view is that we are in a bearish regime. I don't think this is a bull market. I don't think economic conditions are, are good. And I think, you know, the long-term the long term effects for equity markets, commodities, you can see it in the commodities markets, right? Um, the commodities markets had a tough week last week. And, and that's because the data that's coming out indicates that, you know, if, 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 if the Japanese are ordering less machines, well, that's bad for aluminium. It's bad mm -hmm. for copper. So you can get these clues from the commodities markets, certain currency markets. Um, the Swiss franc is really freaking interesting for reasons I won't go into. But anyway, I'll pause there. No one wants to hear me rant any longer. Dude, dude, this was like the best episode I've. I would been love on. to hear you. I don't even know how long. Frank sometime. Yeah. Maybe next hey, week. <laughs> can, I, can I pose? Can I pose one last question? Because I know that you keep your eye sure. on the pulse of housing. What are your thoughts, Nick? Complicated, man. Complicated. Really, really complicated. Um, I've got a lot of friends in the real estate real estate business at scale in the US. Um, large scale developers, um, people with private you know, private equity, real estate businesses in the billions of dollars, right? Um, and they are astounded that the ass has not fallen out of the housing market yet. It hasn't. Um, mm -hmm. Deals are still getting done at ridiculous valuations. Mm -hmm. um, and, and if they can't explain it, I certainly can't. Um, theoretically, all of these conditions lead to stress in the housing market. Um, so I don't know. It's in the too, too hard bucket for me, um, but I would have expected it's one of the counterpoints, right? If everything I'm saying is true and, and, and you know, and, and there is going to be a reckoning shortly this year, then housing should have moved, but it hasn't. So, mm -hmm. you know, that, that is a, that, that, that's a bucket where, where, um, where I would spend a lot of time focusing on. The other thing to remember is, you know, housing and the real estate market, especially in the US, such a huge country, guys, right? So you need to look at each market individually. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, uh, Vegas real estate compared to, you know, um, Miami real estate is going to tell a completely different story. So I'm not a big participant in the US real estate market, so I don't have the knowledge on a per market basis. Mm -hmm. But if I wanted to do work on it, I would look at that data and I wouldn't look at aggregated data because it's just going to average out all these things. You're going to have some horrendous things happening in certain states mm -hmm. and you're going to have some really good things happening in other states because you have these other dynamics happening right now where you've got this kind of inter-country migration, mm -hmm. right, which has been going on since COVID. It's now kind of galvanized across political divides, right? You've got blue states, you've got red states. Um, so, again... That equation is 
is is is so complicated that um, I don't know. I don't own any housing stocks. I'm not short any mm-hmm. housing stocks for that reason. Yeah, that's not. Oh, sorry, I was just gonna say that reminds me of the rich dad poor dad story. That's the one I remember from the book. Is he's saying that there's a uh, America in America? There's always like a deal you can find in the housing market because it's so spread out. He's like, you know, Arizona well, might be popping off. A big part California of a big part of his spiel, though. I mean, a big part of that was you spend other people's money, and oh, yeah. we're not in an environment where spending other people's money makes a fuckload mm-hmm. of sense because yeah. your payment's going to be more than you're you're going to be renting that thing out for. It's a fantastic. Point, Austin, and, and one of the reasons that theoretically housing should have been hit by now is the availability of credit, mm-hmm. right? When mm-hmm. the availability of credit credit tightens because interest rates are higher, right? Um, you know, even good borrowers can now just borrow less, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that should affect pricing. But it really hasn't to the extent most people thought yet. Um, maybe it's being propped up in other ways. Maybe there are certain, you know, um, government programs that are in place. I'll give you an example. So my sister still lives in Australia, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And, and, you know, she has a good job uh, and she's never bought a property. And, and, you know, she's trying to buy a property. She's got a deposit. The government of New South Wales has a, a, a program in place where as a first home buyer, you only need to put up a five de- a five percent deposit, and the government will guarantee the additional fifteen percent deposit to round out your twenty percent that the lender needs. So a five percent deposit is nothing. Now, in addition to that, there's a thing called stamp duty in Australia, where whenever you buy or sell a property, you have to pay three point three percent to the government as a transfer tax. They waive. They used to waive it for the first home buyer at six hundred and fifty k. That was the threshold. As of July 1st, they increased it to 800K. So these kind of policies in these markets act. To, so, so what happens now, right? She goes to auction to bid for a house. There's 15 other people like her, first home buyers. Before they didn't have to pay stamp duty on 650. Now it's at 100. What do you think happens to the price of that house? It gets mm-hmm. bid up, right? So mm-hmm. I'm certain that there's these things that play in these individual markets. Um, and, and, you know, yeah. Yeah, it's complicated. Very interesting. Yeah, very it's a freaking you know, rat's nest. Yeah, I, I get interested in this because my, you know, my wife and I, we, I've had my eyes glued on our local beach here is called New Smyrna Beach outside of Orlando, and I've had my eyes glued on these properties out there because these are vacation properties, these are second homes, these should be the first ones that people dump mm-hmm. uh, when they need to get out of you know something that they're holding, and it, it's 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 still. The yep. prices today are a hundred percent higher than they were in 2020. Still, yeah. all of these properties. I it's saw a stat that said something like 40% of the open homes are held by investors still. So people buying those like second homes and stuff. But like Dracon said, these these are lagging indicators. I think housing is one of the most lagging. Um, because you know, people are really unwilling to sell homes, right? And they're kind yeah, of usually unwilling fight. to take on that massive debt. Yeah, so the, the, the other component to consider is, is when we talk about a housing crash, all of our minds go back to what it looked like in mm-hmm. 2008, which is the ass really did fall out of the housing market, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason for that was all of these loans that got underwritten that shouldn't have been underwritten, right? Now, the idea is that a lot of that has been cleared out of the system 
And now the loans that are on the books with these banks, with the exception of commercial and office, right, which is kind of a bit of a clusterfuck because of COVID, with the exception of that, the residential market is a lot healthier in that these loans were given, you know, 70% LTV, 65% LTV, 80% LTV. They've gone up in the run-up, you know, um, they've gone up a lot since COVID. And if they drop 10%, it's kind of a blip on the chart and a blip on the target. Uh, on the, on the data, whereas mm -hmm. you have seen a correction, but because things have been so crazy over the last 12 or 13 years, it doesn't feel like there's a housing crisis. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you know, it's kind of these extremes, yeah? The, the GFC was one extreme, and then the, the post-COVID pump was another extreme, and now we're just kind of off the top a little bit and everyone's like, meh. But if you kind of get into the granular detail of the data, yeah, you might see that housing's down 12% across the board. Well, that's significant, right? Um, so anyway, there's a lot of things at play. I love yeah. having you on this show so much, Nick. I, dude, I always learn so much from talking to you, man. Oh, yeah, dude. I was feeling a little bullish, but now I'm extremely bearish because I'm thinking of that, that number from the Red Book. It's got me thinking, you know, Powell's going to get his wish. He keeps talking about the labor market needs to contract. How's that going to happen is the producers and the retailers aren't making any money anymore. First, they got to get rid of people. Yeah. And, and, the, and the people, slowest dominoes and, ever. And the people that lose their jobs, if we just think about the retail sector, they're cashiers. They're, you know, you know, mm -hmm. the, the the 21 year old that 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 works, you know, at the Lululemon store of these things, right? They're the people under the most financial duress, right? Credit cards, student debt, you know, um, inflation is still a thing. I know the CPI said three percent, but you know. Um, Go get a drink in New York. 20 bucks doesn't get you there anymore, right? Yeah. So, you know, once these prices go up in these establishments, they don't go down, right? Mm. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I, 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 I have a short bias. I'm looking for opportunities um, to get shorter, um, but I'm in no hurry because I have these data points that I look at every month that tell me a very clear story like when i show you that chart corbel like mm -hmm. you know i don't need to convince you right there's no what do you feel yeah i'm down for 19 months boys and it just turned negative what happens in july you don't mm -hmm. need to be have a phd in economics not that that's useful but you get the point yeah yeah well um we're about hitting the hour 30 mark but this was a great conversation man i really freaking appreciate awesome. having you on nick freaking awesome man it's always epic dude well, i gotta have you on uh again maybe next week um but yeah hope you had a good thanks time. guys thanks Austin. i appreciate it. it was great to see you austin corval you always too, buddy pleasure. thanks for having me on okay. and um you know have have a good rest of the week you too thanks and everyone for you, joining. check out revelo um and yeah i want to thank everyone for tuning in remember to like subscribe retweet the whole thing tell your fam um got anything else to say awesome we're gonna sign off got a catchphrase corval is balls deep that's right baby all right, Emmett, let's get out of here. <laughs>